Thanks for tuning to Digital Voices Podcast, where we chat digital transformation, challenges and opportunities across healthcare and life sciences. And now, your host, Ed Marks. Welcome to Digital Voices. Really excited this week to share a friend with you. So someone that I had the privilege of serving with in New York City. We're going to talk all about that and and New York and what we were up to in terms of helping with digital transformation in healthcare not too long ago. And before we head there, DJ Sydney, curious, have you been to New York City? I have been once with some friends of mine. We went on a mother-daughter trip and we went to the city, but that's the only time. Very cool. Yeah, you have to go back. We, Our family, we just love New York City and it's got has many great people like uh, Minerva that you'll see. And uh, it's uh, just terrific. And from a tech point of view, too, we'll ask Minerva a little bit about a tech point of view because she was the city's first ever chief technical officer. So she's got uh, amazing stories, amazing background. So Minerva, you and I met, as I mentioned, uh, 2015. And I think you were fairly new pioneering your role and. I was in my role at New York City Health and Hospitals, and we got to partner together, which was nice to have the help from the city and your advice, given your experience. And that's when we first met. And then, you know, we we had so much in common sports, even though we do different sports. You do dragon boating. (laughs) I I do some different things, but that you're our first guest that's a dragon boater. So we might have to talk about that as well. But two standard questions we have for all of our guests just to say hello. And the first one is, what kind of music do you like to listen to? Um, I listen to 1980s punk rock, like uh, New Order, you know, Love Will Tear Us Apart, Joy Division. Uh. Nice. We never talked about that. I love that's I, I <laughs> had a shaved head in the early 80s. Now it's not on purpose, but because I was, I was into the scene as well. That is so cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was deep into it. Um, you know, the early days. Um, uh Start UK and also California punk. Um, that's my that's that's my soundtrack. <laughs> Love it. This is so cool. <laughs> and what about your life mantra? You know, everyone kind of has a message or you know some something that they want to leave their mark on. You know, what is it for you? Well, it really I, I think it's about innovation um, and finding your own path to impact and. Just because something's never been done before, that just means you're going to be the first. And, uh, you know, I've spent a a whole career, you know, um, ending up being the first because I dared to ask questions and do things that no one had done before. Yeah, no, that's cool. I I really love it. And, you know, just at a high level for our audience, and then I'm going to ask Minerva to share herself, sort of her story, personal, professional story. But... She is uh, an active board member on several boards. She's an advisor, a consultant, uh, has a lot of uh, background, as you're going to hear, in uh, multiple industries, uh, government, of course, and and regulatory finance, uh, just all over the place, uh, into ethical AI, fintech, just uh, the renaissance person right here uh, with Minerva. So Minerva, tell us a little bit, like, we know... It started with punk rock. So take us from punk rock to where you are today. 
Well, um, I started an AI company when I was still in college. Uh, I was in my senior year, and I went out to Silicon Valley and started a company. Um, uh, It was uh, developing expert systems and very early days of analytics, basically, and applying rules to data. Uh, I then went back to college for one semester and got my degree in in, uh, philosophy and cognitive science. I was already thinking about AI um, even back then. So, and from there, spent, um, you know, again, sort of uh, my time just pursuing what interested me, you know, ended up um, continuing on the technology side and electronic publishing, and then became the first CTO at Gray Advertising uh, with the idea that this internet thing might have some impact on advertising. Then uh, went on to do, you know, tech consulting um, and ultimately became a senior product manager at Palm. Uh, I don't remember Palm Pilots. Yes. But, yes. you know, interestingly, one of the first projects we did was putting the PDR on a Palm. Um, and, uh, you know, the idea that you could put, you know, a lot of information in a small handheld device was, was really exciting. And uh, the the Tungsten and the Palm 7 and the Palm 5, it was around the early 2000s then. Um, I then, uh, you know, stuck with the mobile technology and ended up spending um, over a decade in financial services at Fannie Mae, where I ended up writing um, uh, four patents in um, mortgage processing, applying rules to mortgage automating mortgages, and then went to Merrill Lynch and um, retooled the the data warehouse there and also did the first uh, BlackBerry application for the investment bankers. Then I went over to UBS um, where we did the first iPad applications and uh, started the client-facing technologies two years in Hong Kong. And then when I came back to New York, I got a call, um, would you like to be the first CTO of New York City? (laughs) <laughs> which I honestly, in the beginning, I didn't think it existed because I grew up here and I was like, there's no CTO of New York City. What are you talking about? <laughs> is this is real. Uh, but, you know, the meeting was in City Hall and it came from a .gov email address. I was like, okay, this seems real. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, people wondered, you know, why would, uh, uh, you know, Wall Street tech exec, you know, take a government job? And it was the most incredible experience of, you know, being able to have the level of impact using the best technology in the places that need it the most uh, really impacted the rest of my career. Um, I left uh, City Hall and then co-founded the first digital commercial bank um, to be get granted a charter in over a decade. I launched that within two years, raised 131 million bucks, got FDIC, OCC, uh, and Federal Reserve approval. Uh, that's going strong. Um, and now um, refocusing again, uh, sort of back to my AI roots and thinking about the the ethical use of AI, um, you know, and uh, working on a book uh, with that. And, and um, I advise a lot of companies as well, especially in the sort of blockchain, um, digital privacy, space. And then there's one, which is a health tech uh, called Vive, which uh, makes antimicrobial lighting. So it's LED lighting, not UV lighting. It's used in a a number of hospitals and food prep places. 
it's it just plugs into regular fluorescent lighting, but it actually uh, kills bacteria, microbes, and uh, viruses. Very cool. See that I, I know my audience is like, oh wow, this person's amazing. We we need to get you Minerva back into healthcare a little bit because as you know, healthcare, you know, sometimes I, I know I'm a little harsh on, on myself and my peers, but I think we're a little bit behind at times. And uh with we need a lot of like people like you, leaders like you that uh you know have all these capabilities and, and experiences. So, you know, clearly you're a leader. So let's just start off talking a little bit about leadership. You know, what what are some things, maybe one thing that you do? that others might be able to emulate in terms of making sure that you stay sharp as a leader, you know, you're learning, growing, those sorts of things. Well, you know, I, I, I hire, I like to hire people who are smarter than me (laughs) and, um, you know, to, to, to steal a line from, from, I think it was Todd Park, um, people with big brains and big hearts. Uh, and, you know, as a leader, I learned a lot when I was in my first startup because, like I said, I was still in college and everyone who worked for me was twice my age and had master's degrees and PhDs and I was still in college. And so I learned a a kind of way of, you know, collaborative role-based leadership, which is, you know, I was there to make them successful. Yeah, that's good. You know, I know just personally, because we serve together, and you actually helped me in this area a little bit, uh, women in leadership and technology, uh, specifically, any advice that you would give? You can, we can go multiple directions, I'll leave it to you, but it could be for women already, or it could be for males and, and making sure that uh, everyone is given the, the appropriate opportunity. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I, I think there's a sense of, of um, increasingly a focus on how to make workplaces more inclusive and you know there's many different kinds of diversity so as we've seen in the pandemic for example you know when you start to say well people need to come back in right or or something like that think about the people with kids right and maybe their school's not open right so just sort of understand sort of all the dimensions of of um of inclusion that that would be more welcoming to, to, um, to, you know, uh, women, people of color, um, and put yourself in their shoes, especially if, you know, you've got one member of your team, which is the only one of whatever that type is. Right. And, and how do you make that, how do you make that, uh, better? Yeah, that, that's really good uh, advice. So, Turning now a little bit to digital and, you know, we're joking, but seriously, now on the on the healthcare side, you've been the CTO and, you know, the brilliant person uh, for multiple industries. You've seen some healthcare now because of your service in New York City. And what are if like if you were to plop yourself in healthcare suddenly, what are maybe two or three sort of best practices that you would bring over from these other industries that might be helpful in healthcare? Yeah, I think, you know, I think you hit it exactly right. Um, In many ways, financial services has gone through and continues to go through its digital transformation. And I think that healthcare as a whole, as an industry, can can learn a lot, right, both from what worked and what didn't work in the financial services industry with digital transformation. Um, You know, so this notion of legacy systems, for example, right, there's a lot of systems still that, are extremely um, 
expensive, complicated, and risky to change, but we know they need to change, right? So there's different met ways to do. You could do a, like a hard cutover. You could do, you know, sort of piece by piece. And, you know, each situation is different, but you can look at the patterns from previous, you know, legacy replacements and in other industries and say, what's the right way? And as you know, uh, Ed, we did that on, uh, you know, uh, with HHC when we were there. Um, the other, the other um, pattern and learnings I brought, uh, I would bring to healthcare is around what's the right way to roadmap these things. So, you know, we went from trying to do a big bang, which I think is generally speaking, you know, across an enterprise, not uh, not a great idea, to defining successful milestones and doing a hospital or two at a time. Right, that was the the key learning from there. The other is, you know, um, don't forget the people, right? The um, not just the uh, users, whether they be the the physicians, the the clinicians, the nurses, um, and of course the patients, and um, and and they need to change too. And yeah. a lot of change management neglects, you know, the folks who are um, going to maybe push back, resist, or otherwise not know how, how to switch to a new way of working. And then the last thing I'll say, because I think this is really coming up now, you know, finance has always been very concerned about third-party uh, um, consumer privacy, like how is your data being shared, um, and how can you um, give the consumers the control over uh, which data of theirs is shared, and how do you use that data more equitably? I think that's going to hit healthcare as as it now is progressively more and more digitized. There's a ton of health data out there that's personally identifiable information. And so privacy, security um, is a huge need in the healthcare space. And one of the reasons I'm, I'm advising a number of companies like uh, One Creation, which is like this embedded privacy thing and, you know, blockchain and saying, how can we use technology to not only digitize, but assure that that digitized data is also secure and private from the patient perspective. Yeah, those are great learnings. And, and as you pointed out, the other industries have tackled those. And so it's, it's, we can learn from, from the good things and the bad things and then you know, improve on it and then modify it to fit in healthcare. So you know, digital voices is all about, uh, typically our, our audience, our chief digital officers or those who report to them all across health and life sciences. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of times we talk leadership. And now I want to take it a step up on leadership. We're going to talk a little bit about boards because a lot of times CDOs, you, you definitely have to uh, present to boards, talk to boards, and, and you serve as a, an advisor and on boards. So I'm curious what, you know, and I know this is more general outside of healthcare, but I think a lot of the concerns I suspect are going to be very similar. What's sort of top of mind these days for CEOs when you're working with them? Yeah, you know, one of the most because I've you know I've I've served on on you know like a nonprofit board like the New York Hall of Science, which is all about STEM education for the underserved. And and um, there's two things I would say. One is, as a board member, it's um, nose in, hands out, right? So <laughs> their their point of view is, I'm going to be nosy about everything, but you're the operator, right? And so um, if you put yourself in their shoes, what what information do they need to know 
so that they can provide the value that they're there to bring as a board member. And it, you know, um, I think boards really appreciate, you know, folks who ask those intelligent strategic questions and um, are able to develop the story for that. The, 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 the second most important thing is um, to not to to really tell the story of what it is you're doing, right? To really align and understand what is the narrative, because that's that's the high level that boards function on. So, you know, <clears throat> um, they're going to be concerned about governance, and so you 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 want to give them a lot of good data. You know, we had a lot of good you know metrics and things going on uh, in our project, Ed. Um, but that steering committee, right, they were really focused on the end result. What is the outcome for patients? What is the outcome for the physicians, you know? And so to always keep that in mind um, when talking to a board. Yeah, that's that's a really sage advice. And how do you go about at the same time educating a board? So, you know, sometimes boards are uneven in terms of who is on there or they have different areas of expertise, which is why they're on the board, but they may not understand digital, you know, so, so how, without offending a board member, you mm-hmm. know, is, is how do you go about sort of educating board members at the same time that you uh, share the story? Yeah. Um, excellent point. And, you know, it's really hard to make something simple. <laughs> and, um, and so, you know, again, back to that, both storytelling and also I'm a huge proponent of having more technical people on boards, having more women on boards, you know, um, you know, I'm, I'm active in the women's forum, which, which has a whole initiative around that. Uh, and, and now in particular security, um, expertise on all boards, um, because, uh, you know, you could be any in any industry and be a victim of ransomware, right? Um, and so, you know, I think the, the, the focus should be how do you simplify, you know, the, the, um, the, the methods, the risks, the options available? I call it teeing up a decision. It's not like you are, need them to learn everything that you know about technology it's it's teeing up what are the salient points so that there's a decision to be made here's the risk of doing a here's the risk of doing b these are the these are the pros and cons and we want a strategic decision or or course of action you know from the board i try to formulate things in that way because no there's often no right answer and um you know i think Dealing with uncertainty is is the hallmark of a of a an effective leader. Yeah, I agree. And let me let me pivot on this question about the boards because a lot of CDOs, you know, they're mature in their career and they want to be on boards, perhaps, or they're being asked to be on boards. What what's one piece of advice that you would give someone who's not been on a board in terms of like how how do you become a board member? Because I don't know that I'm sure there's some manual out there, but you know, typically there's not a lot of training. So, you know, what would be one piece of advice that you'd give someone who suddenly had an opportunity to serve on some sort of board? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I had this same thought 10 years ago, right. Um, 
which is um, one is put it out there. Start to talk to people who you know who are on boards and, and get some advice from them, uh, get a real understanding of it. There's no like going to, you know, boards. Now, typically uh, CEOs are, you know, um, are, are often picked to be on boards. But like I said, you know, CEO, CDOs and CTOs and CIOs, hopefully more and more are going to be asked to be on boards as well uh, because they need um, to round out, you know, the, um, the tech understanding on, on boards. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think this, it's really important for all the reasons you cited. I was recently approached by a fairly uh, large health system to serve on their board. And that's exactly what they were telling me during the recruitment mm-hmm. process is we need, you know, to make sure we've got the technical oversight. We have everything else, the financial controls, financial oversight, clinical, but we're really missing this other piece. And so I think we're going to see more and more of that uh, definitely in healthcare. Okay, before we pivot to, I want to talk a little bit about New York City and some of the work that you pioneered there. Before we pivot, tell people what dragon boating is, because, you know, I realized when I said that, they were probably, because like me, when I first met you, and you showed me pictures and stuff, and I and I learned about it, but share with us what dragon boating is. Well, it's um, it, it, it's a it's a sport, it's a, in a boat, it's a, it's a boat racing sport where, where unlike crew or, um, you know, kayaking or outrigger, it's two people sit side by side and you paddle only on one side. It's it's very popular in Asia where I first started to dragon boat with the UBS dragon boat team. Um, it's usually 500 um, meters, sometimes 1,000 or 2,000 meters is the race. So they're very short, intense races with up to uh, between 16 and 20 people in a boat. Um, and... Um, when I was in City Hall, we started the first ever City Hall Dragon Boat team <laughs> and paddled in, in Queens. Um, we got second place in the municipal races. Um, <clears throat> and it's a really fun team sport. And I learned so much from both being on a team and captaining the team. It's, you know, someday I'll write the the management book, you know, everything I learned about leadership I learned on a dragon boat or something like that. <laughs> um <laughs> But it really is about everyone paddling at the same speed at the, in the same pace towards a common goal. Um, if everyone's paddling, you know, at different speeds, the, the boat will um, capsize. Yeah, it's definitely more complicated than a crew. Yeah. Because it's side by side. Yeah. Very, yeah. very cool. So as we mentioned, you were the first CTO, New York City, greatest city in the world. First <laughs> CTO. You were the best ever. Um, and... Talk about some of the tech investments New York City was thinking about or did, you know, for for tech enablement. Yeah. I mean, we, um, you know, one of the first projects we did was the Link NYC, which was to figure out a way to provide free Wi-Fi on New York City streets that was paid for by the advertising, right, and replacing the pay phones with those links. And, And as I walk around the city, you know, what an incredible privilege it is for me to walk around and see those links and, and people who really possibly have no other access uh, to, to internet using it to apply for things, to look up information. Um, we also developed the internet of things guidelines, which now 33 other cities have signed on to. We developed a computer science for all, which was to start the process of putting 
computer science education in all New York City public schools. New York has a million school kids. Um, and there are some neighborhoods where more than 25% of the students um, are on free lunch or below the poverty line or they don't have Internet access at home. And, uh, you know, for for those of you uh, on this, you know, you probably can't imagine what it's like not to have access. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's a full quarter of, of um, people with low incomes don't have access to broadband. Uh, yeah. So, you know, so some of those things were, were incredible. Then the other was more internally facing, you know, as, as the project we were on, which was to take folks from private sector and, and apply their expertise to these big public health projects, to public education projects, um, and and really work with um, with the systems that affect our everyday lives. Right. Um, and and help those uh, help distribute tech more evenly. Yeah, no, I mean, what you did. Yeah, like I, I agree. You should be proud. And when I every time I visit the city, I'm always like, I know the people that did made that happen. And, and <laughs> that's great. You know, the uh, I talked recently with uh, with uh, Dr. Ram Raju, who was the CEO at the time of health hospitals. Yeah. And uh and he said, you know, this was post, well, we're still in the pandemic, but, you know, post uh, their early learnings, let me say it like that. And he said how grateful he was for the digital transformation that started with, with our project. And it was a great example, you know, like you said, a city coming together and everyone helping one another out and, and just really amazing collaboration. It can be done. I mean, there's, we, there should be a, a HBR case on, 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 on what happened there because it was fabulous. Well, let's do it. I'll call Dr. Yeah. you and you, and we can. I think it's a message I try to get across, which yeah. is, um, you know, that I, I'm 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 happy you spoke with him about that because it struck me during the pandemic. I was like, oh, thank goodness we digitized. Yes. The public hospitals in time, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, he. We we should. I. I you know, because kind of came to me as we we're talking and I'm listening. It's like. Because it is a great, uh, you know, public-private partnership that took place, super successful, high risk, billion dollars all in, yeah, and and it, and it went beautifully. Yeah, I mean, it was yeah. it was amazing. So, last question for you, Minerva. I could talk forever. There's so many things I, I want to talk about. So I'm definitely have to get back out there next time I do. Uh, definitely have to. Please uh, do. Find, uh, yeah, we covered so many different areas, and probably some areas we wanted to that we didn't. So I'm going to leave you with the last comment like is there anything else you want to double down on that we already talked about or any other message that you might have yeah i think you know um in particular for for the healthcare cdos and and cios out there you know don't don't think about the tech first i guess you know um think about the outcomes first don't get too wrapped up in methodologies or or even specific technologies i think the thing is to to define success in whatever big project you're doing, um, you know, in, 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 in steps. And um, every grand vision takes place a step at a time. <laughs> and, you know, I, I've seen that happen with some, with, with some other uh, initiatives out there, you know, you, you can't do a huge sort of um, data transformation and then, you know, diagnostics transform like, don't try to do it all at once is what I would say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right. That wraps up Digital Voices. 
We appreciate you listening in. If you have any particular topics or guests that you would like to hear from, just let Sydney or I know, and we'll be happy to make it happen. Thank you and have a great day.